So we're, we're tracking through this series that we're, we're, we've started a few weeks back through the title Assassins. And we've been dealing with the enemies that lay inside our hearts. The, 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 the enemy that lays in the shadow of our heart, waiting, waiting for the, the unexpected moment to, to step out of the shadows and to, to attack not just us, but to attack our relationships. The emotions that control us, enemies that want to assassinate our character, assassinate and destroy our relationships and erode our faith. That's the series we've been doing, and if you've missed the last three weeks, uh, you can go to the help desk, put your name down, we'll get them to you, and they might be on the website soon. I think the first one is already. So the key verse, I'm, going to sort of, I'm not going to review the last three weeks. We'll, we'll pick up the typical series next week. But the key verse we're talking about is uh, Proverbs, um, Solomon, who was the wisest man on the face of the planet. He said this, after all living his life and all the wisdom that he had, he said, above everything else, he said, you know what, men, dads, fathers, mums, kids. He said, above everything else you can do in your life, above the, 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 the financial security that you have, above all the practical things you've done and you've built your house and you've, you've got your education, you've got your qualifications, you're, you're studying, above everything else, he says, guard your heart. Guard your heart because everything, everything in life is, is an outcome of what happens inside your heart. It's so important that we understand why we need to guard our heart. It is the wellspring of life. And so the last two weeks, we had a look at the assassin named guilt. Guilt that we carry around for our lives and how this unresolved assassin dwells in our hearts. And it's like a burden that we gets heavier every year that we carry. Unresolved guilt that becomes a burden that's impossible to bear. So this morning, I'm going to look at a familiar story. If you've been in church long enough, I'm sure you've heard this story that Jesus told. And I want to look at what can happen if you don't guard your heart. And so I want to look at the, the heart of Father God, and I want to look through a parable that Jesus told. In fact, Jesus tells three parables, so we'll start at the first one. And when you look at parables, when you look at the Bible, it's good to look at who's Jesus talking to. So when you're reading your Bible, and I hope that I'd encourage you to, uh, to do it often and regularly, because that's how we, we learn the nature of our God and our Father and how we receive words of life. But as we read the Gospels and the stories, it's good to find out who Jesus is talking to. And so we're going to go to Luke chapter 15, verse 1, and it starts here. It says, tax collectors and other notorious sinners often came to listen to Jesus teach. This made the Pharisees and the teachers of religious law complain that he was associating with such sinful people, even eating with them. And the message translation says, verse 3, that they're grumbling. The grumbling of the religious people triggered this story. And so we go to the first story is a story of a lost sheep. And uh, Jesus says, if a man has a hundred sheep and one of them gets lost, what will he do? Won't he leave the 99 others in the wilderness and go and search for the one that is lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he will joyfully carry it home on his shoulders. When he arrives, he will call together his friends and neighbors saying, rejoice with me because I have found my lost sheep. In the same way, there is more joy in heaven over one lost sinner who repents and returns to God than over 99 others who are righteous and haven't strayed away. 
What a great story. And I'm sure if you've grown up in Sunday school or you, you, you've, had the, you, you've had the stories on fuzzy felt or flannel graph when they, they stick the story of the, 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 the shepherd looking after the sheep and going off and finding the lost sheep and bringing it home. That's the story. That's the image we sort of grow up with. And what we learn here is that sheep are so precious to the shepherd. We also discover that God is more interested in finding the one lost sheep that is not in the flock than the 99 that are here. God is more interested, and I, I say this with caution, God is more interested in the, in the one that is outside than the 130 that are on the inside. God is more interested, and, and so Jesus came, yes, for us and relationship with us, but his heart is for the lost. His heart is for those who aren't, aren't part of the, the, the relationship with him. And the relationship with us. I'm going to move this one. Sorry, Ben. And so the response to the lost sheep being found is celebration. So the first parable, lost sheep. Second parable is a lost coin. Or suppose. Or suppose a woman has ten silver coin and coins and loses one. Won't she light a lamp and sweep the entire house and search carefully until she finds it? And when she finds it, she will call in her friends and neighbors and say, Rejoice with me, because I find, found my lost coin. In the same way, there's joy in the presence of God's angels, when, even when one sinner repents. Similar story. Have you ever lost something precious? Have you ever, I mean, it could be a child. Anyone lost a child? Thanks for being honest, Andre. Which one? Where is she here? Here today? <laughs> <laughs> Where? In Paris. Wow. And she's going back again next month, so they're good. Maybe you've lost your wallet. Who knows what it's like to lose a wallet or a purse or your mobile. Oh, yeah, all the young people. Oh, my gosh, losing my mobile. And you're, I mean, I mean, the wallet, I mean, you've got to replace your driver's license, your credit. It's annoying. And so when you lose your wallet, you, you, you're running around, where was the last place? And you're asking everyone, where was it? And you're, and you're, you're in the car and you're looking beside the seats and you're looking in the lounge and you're, if it's your mobile, you're, you're ringing the mobile from someone else's mobile and shh, we've got to listen. Can you hear it ring? Everyone shush, let's listen to the mobile. No, 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 no it's, I can hear it. That makes your heart feel better that you can hear your mobile. And then you've got to try to find it. So when you lose something that's precious... You do all you can to find it, and you, and, you, and you tell everyone to get out of the way. It's important that you find your wallet. It's impo- You've got a beeper on your thing, have you? Don't lose car keys. Oh, I've got stories about that. <laughs> and they're really expensive stories, typically. Anyway, I borrowed a friend's car one. Anyway, that's a, that's a little go back to... It was only for a day. Um... I found the keys later, after I got a whole set of new keys and a whole range of things sorted out, so that was even worse. But you know what? The greater the value of what you've lost, the greater the, the passion you have to look for it and to find it. And so what we discover, the same thing when, when in, in heaven, what we discover when what was lost is found, there is so much celebration. And uh, uh, not just on, in, on earth, but we discover that there is... Joy in the presence of God's angels when one sinner repents. I'm sure I've shared this before, but you know there's one time in heaven 
where, where a little eight-year-old boy in a Billy Graham crusade put his hand up to become a Christian and to follow Jesus. And there was a moment in, in a moment where all of heaven celebrated me. There, there was a moment, if you were a follower of Jesus, there is a moment in heaven when you turned your heart toward Jesus that heaven celebrated you. That's powerful. And, and, and Jesus is saying there is so much joy in heaven when one of us decides to, 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 be, to be found to come back to the Father. And so I want to come to the third parable, which I want to talk about today. Now, if you've got your Bibles, they've got typical headings on your Bible. And then if you looked up, who's got a physical Bible here in paper? Anastasia. What does your Bible say before verse 11? You can answer, it probably says a lot then. So, <laughs> I think if you've got a Russian one, that wouldn't help. Typically, your Bible will say the lost son, the prodigal son. The prodigal son. And so, uh, so this is the story of the prodigal son, the lost son. And I'm sure you've heard this story. It's actually the story of not just one son. It's a story of two sons. And, uh, and a story of a father's heart for both of those sons. And so we'll go to verse 11. To illustrate, the, remember we've got the story of the lost sheep, the lost coin. Now we come to the lost son. To illustrate this point further, Jesus told him the story. A man had two sons. The youngest son told his father, I want my share of your estate now before you die. So his father agreed to divide his wealth between his sons. Now, before we look at the two boys, I want to look at this man. I want to have an observation about this father. Because what we learn here that the father gives his children freedom to choose. Freedom to make a choice. Freedom for, for their sons to choose what, what road in life they will travel. The choice to make good decisions or the choice to make bad decisions. The father gives their, his children freedom to have the final say on how we will live our lives. Freedom whether we want to remain connected to him and his family or freedom to leave everything we have and go our own way. A choice to be disconnected. That's the choice that the father gives us. So now let's go to the younger brother, the younger son. Anyone here who's the youngest in the family? How many of us? Didn't we get it easy? Well, I did. Anyway, and I know you did too. Here's the younger son, a story of a younger son. He had a choice. To stay or to leave. Now, we don't know what's going on in his life or in his background. Ultimately, we see he makes a choice. And what we'll discover, his choice that he makes exposes, shows us what's in his heart. See, the son goes to his dad and goes, you've got to try to think what he's actually saying to his dad. He's going to his, but normally your inheritance is given when? Okay. So, so when you die, typically that's when your inheritance is divided. So this young man, this young son, he goes to his dad and he goes, you know what, I wish you were dead. I actually wish you weren't here so I could have what is mine and get on with my life. That's what he was effectively saying to his dad. And so he, um, 
He had no right to make this request. But what I discover about the father is that I know that with a tear in his eye, he would have given his son. For whatever reason, we'll see the story as it unfolds that this heavenly father, well, this representation of a heavenly father, he would hear his son's desire and a, a son's want of what he, what he thinks is his, and he gave it. He called his solicitors up. He organized his trust funds. He organized his estate, and he goes, okay, well, there we go. Okay. I'm sure he gave it with a tear in his eye. I'm sure he didn't say, gee, I'm glad to get rid of you. Here it is. He gave it, and his heart would have been breaking as he saw his youngest son make a choice. And verse 13 tells us a few days later, this younger son packed all his belongings and moved to a distant land, and there he wasted all his money in wild living. The word wild is the word prodigal. That's the way we get the story of the prodigal son. He wasted his money in prodigal living, just just reckless, non-caring. Now, this younger son, what do we look at? It, look at what he did. He was he was demanding. He was disrespectful. He disregarded his dad. He disregarded the what his dad had given him. He was greedy. He was self-centered. He was focused on what he can have now. He was focused on all the material possessions and all the pleasure and the popularity. He was more concerned with what he could have. He wanted to live a life where there was no boundaries. He wanted to live a life where there was no rules. He wanted to live a life where he had no responsibility. But the boy's problem wasn't his behavior. The boy's problem wasn't the fact that he went and wasted all his money. His behavior, his behavior wasn't his problem. His problem started with his heart. Now, now before we get too harsh on this young man, our lives may not look like his, but our hearts may. What do we do with the freedom our Father gives us? Do we choose to live it for ourselves? Do we choose to focus on, on what we can have, what we can do? It's all about me. It's all about what I want. It's all about my career, my profession, my stuff, my desires, my dreams, my finances. My What do we do with the freedom God gives us? What do we do with the, and we have the freedom to think? What do we do with the, our attitudes? What do we do with our, our actions? See, it's, it's, not a, it's, not a, it's not even an action thing. It's a heart thing. How's your heart? Because Jesus would say, out of your heart, the issues of life come to you because we live and we love from our heart. We build relationships from our heart. We, 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 we relate as kids to our dad from our heart. We relate as, as parents from our heart. Everything we do comes from our heart. And you can see from this young man, his heart was depleted. His heart was corrupted. He'd allowed the assassins that live in there to control his emotions and his actions. And if we don't guard our hearts, it doesn't take too long for our hearts to become empty, to become dry, to become hard. It doesn't take long if we don't guard our hearts to find ourselves spiritually bankrupt, to find ourselves like this young man far away from the Father, nothing in our hearts, nothing in our account. And we get so desperate to try, and we see it happen all the time, People get so desperate to try to fill this emptiness and this loneliness 
that they fill it with all sorts of stuff from substances to, to relationships to pleasurable things. They, they, they try to, to fill the void up because they've disconnected from the Father and they're bankrupt. So verse 14. He wasted all his money. About this time, about the time his money ran out, a great famine swept over the land and he began to starve. He persuaded a local farmer to hire him and the man sent him into his fields to feed the pigs. The young man became so hungry that even the pods he was feeding the pigs looked good to him. But no one gave him anything. You know, this morning, if, if you took the time and to have a real honest, good look at yourself. If you had a time this morning to, to, to really ask yourself, what's going on in my heart? What's really going on? I can, I can put the facade on. I can come to church. I can dress well. I can sing well. I can praise. I can have the right words to say. But on the inside, we could, you could be a mess on the inside. Maybe this morning you could be like this young son. You, could, you, could, you, you might think that you're spirit, you feel you're spiritually bankrupt. I've got, nothing in my, I've got nothing in my account. I'm dry. I'm empty. There's nothing here. Maybe you find yourself disconnected from God. Maybe you find yourself here feeling awfully alone. And that can happen. That can happen in families. It can happen in churches. It can happen in schools. You can be surrounded by people, and yet on the inside you are lonely and empty and longing. If you feel like that this morning, the last half of the story is great news for you. But it involves a journey. It's not just a simple fix. Verse 17. So when he finally came to his senses, he said to himself, At home, even the hired servants have food enough to spare, and here I am dying of hunger. I will go home to my father and say, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you, and I am no longer worthy of being called your son. Please take me on as a hired servant. See, when he was away from God, when he was at his worst place, he had a revelation about something. He had a revelation about in my father's house. He, 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 although he felt disqualified as a son, he knew that there was a place for him in his father's house. Even though he felt he had wasted and had used up everything his father had given him, he'd, he'd wasted his time, he'd wasted his career, he'd wasted his profession, his money, he'd wasted his, he, he depleted his relationships, he had nothing left. He knew that at least in my father's house, there's a place for me. There's food to eat, there's a bed to sleep in, there's safety, and there's peace. And so he decides to go home, hoping that his father would make room for him. And as I was talking about over the last couple of weeks of dealing with guilt in our lives, you see this happen with this young man. He decides to repent. He decides to turn around. I'm going to go back home. Repentance turning away from living this way, going this way. He repented. Then he's going to go to confess. Father, I've sinned against you and against heaven. And a change of life. I am now, please accept me back as a servant. His life changed from when he left. There's a very different man that came home to the man who left. Something happened in his heart. Something happened that changed him and that I believe is, a, is an encounter and a revelation 
of his father. So we've talked about the young son. We've talked about his stupid decisions and how sometimes we can make stupid decisions like that. Maybe not as extreme, but on the inside, our heart is often the same. So we go to the father. So this young man returns home to his dad. And while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming. Filled with love and compassion, he ran to his son, embraced him and kissed him. His son said to him, like he was practicing his speech all the way home. Yeah, I can imagine this young boy, okay, you know, Father, I've sinned against heaven, I've sinned against you, I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Please call me your servant. Father, he's practicing, practice. He's, he's walking home, he's, he's walking through the dry, it was a famine, it was a dry, a hot, a dusty place. It was messy, it was dirty. He was, he was turned around, he was journeying back. And he was practicing the speech. I'm going to say this to my dad. Father, I, I know I've sinned against you. I've sinned against heaven. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Please accept me back as your servant. And we get a glimpse of the father's heart. And although the father gave the son freedom to choose to leave, I just know that every day the father would have been watching for a son to return. Every day I think he would get up and his heart would be breaking for the son that, he, that, that had chosen to leave him. But he'd, he'd get up and he'd, he'd squint and he'd, he'd look over her, the horizon and, and say, where is my son? And then every day, I don't know, the Bible doesn't tell us how long it took. But what we do know is that one day when he was out there on his veranda and, and, and he was wondering where his son is, he saw a speck in the distance. And I reckon a father's heart would know, hey, that's my son. And so he would, have, he, would have, he would have run, he ran out to meet him. He, I don't know how fast fathers run, depending how their knees are going, or how old he was. I'd say he's an older guy. How old do you run, Dan? Now that you've got your new hip, you'd run pretty quick. You want your hop. <laughs> and so this father, who's longing and looking for his son, he ran out to meet him, and, and it tells us that he embraced him and kissed him. You see, he'd already made his mind up. He wasn't, where is that little rotten... Oh, that's not what he was looking for. He'd already determined, the father had already determined that he would accept his son, he would receive his son, he would forgive his son. That was not a question. He didn't have to wrestle with it. He wasn't wondering, what am I going to do? When he comes back, what am I going to do? The father knew his response. And when he saw that speck in the distance, he ran out to meet him. He was just waiting for him to return. And so just as the son was in the middle of this speech of his, and the father said, look, stop your talking. He said to his servants, look, you shut up, but quick, servants, bring, bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him, get a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet and kill the calf we've been fattening. We must celebrate with the feast. For the son of mine was dead and has now returned to life. He was lost, but now is found. So the party began. I like the last bit. There's a party. This is very consistent with the other parables. But, but if, you were a, if, you were a, if you were the father, what would you say? Most of us would probably say, and I'm, probably, I, I, I'm sure I do say this, I told you you shouldn't have done that. I, look, I, I, I knew you shouldn't have done that. You should have just listened to me. Anyone else? Of course we'd do that. That's what we'd say. We'd say, you know what? You shouldn't have done that. You know, it's, it's great you finally came home. And, yeah, but, you know, you should have known better. Why didn't you listen to me? But as I listen to the words of the Father, there's no sense of, of anger. 
There's, there's, no, there's no, well, finally came home, now sort your stuff out and, and, and otherwise I'm you know, going to kick you out. There's none of that. When the son determined to change his life and come back to the father's house, we see the father's love and compassion toward this boy. And we, we, see, this, we see this boy that's, that's stinking and messy, stinking like pigs and walking and sweaty and dirty and filthy and hairy and hair matted all over the place. We see a father that doesn't care about how his son looks. He would wrap his arms and his robe around him and hug him and hold him. That's the heart of the Father. It doesn't matter what type of life we've lived, no matter how messy we've got or how messed up we are or how much we stink, the heart of our Heavenly Father will come and will cover us. Well, we'll wrap His arms of love and, and a, a, his, his, a robe around us. The Bible will tell us that's a robe of righteousness. That's a, that son didn't deserve that. That son had wasted half of my father's money. That son deserved nothing. But the Father restored him. And I think that's a beautiful glimpse of a heavenly father. He calls Domino's, orders some pizza, orders some Coke, turns up, gets Spotify going or whatever it is, and they have a party. They celebrate the son who was lost that has now come home. You see, the Father's heart is to always wait and to welcome those who come back to him. And that's a promise from Scripture. And there is a celebration that always happens in heaven when one heart realigns itself back to God. And that's consistent with the other parables. But, you know, I don't want to end there because I don't think this is the, for me, there's another point in this parable that I think is really important. I think Jesus uses the story of the lost sheep and the story of the lost coin and the story of the lost son to set us up for something, because he wants to start to challenge our thinking and challenge our hearts. Do you remember who Jesus was telling this story to? To the religious people. He was telling the story to, the, to, to, the, to those who are inside the church walls. He was telling the story to those who are, you know, that they were the good people, the, the right people. And the problem was Jesus was hanging out with the sinners and the tax collectors and the drunkards and the messed up people. And the religious people weren't happy at all. They, they were thinking if Jesus is going to come to, uh, uh, to, if God is going to come on earth, which is Jesus was saying, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. If Jesus is the representation of God, if that's the case, surely he'd rather hang out with us church folk, us religious folk, us people who have done all the right things and done nothing wrong, than hang out with the other ones. So they were quite upset. And so into the, enter into the story comes the second son, the good son, the nice son, the son who'd done nothing naughty, the son who was faithful, the son who was committed. Meanwhile, the older son, that's him, that's his name. That's not his name, I'm going to call him Robert. Because I think he's a bit like Robert from Everybody Loves Raymond, that's why, okay. Meanwhile, the older son was in the fields working, and when he returned home, he heard music and dancing in the house. A couple of quick things there. I reckon, this is what I reckon, you can tell me if I'm wrong, but I won't really care. Um, 
I reckon God's house should be a place of celebration. I think God's house should be a place of music and dancing and celebration and life and joy. That's how God's people should be marked. That's what I love about our church. You know, I think it's a great, there's life here, there's love here. I don't think church, I don't think God's family should be morbid and miserable and, and beaten up. That's not, the, that's not what I see in, in Scripture. It should be a place of celebration and worship because that's where the Father is. And I believe that's in his heart. In fact, I believe God's house should be a place of, of, of feasting. Do you know in the Bible that there are seven feasts and only one fast when you look at the Old Testament? So what do you think God's more interested in, feasting or fasting? Thank you, Lord. So home should be a place of joy and celebration. And yet many people can, can look at from the outside and say, what's, what's with this laughter? What's with this noise? I reckon the sound of the Father's heart, the sound of the house, should be able to be heard outside the walls. Now, now, I do know here we've got neighbours, and we've had to... In fact, we've got some very intentionally designed building that actually minimises the noise. And so we encourage you, if you're using the building, make sure both those doors are shut, Ben. Um, And so... (laughs) Otherwise, our neighbours may contact us with an email and tell us how noisy we are. We don't want that to happen, do we? No. Also, please park in appropriate places. I had a photo. No, I'm not going to go there. Um, I believe the sound of God's heart and the sound of what God's doing in his family should be evident to those out on the outside. They should hear, not necessarily with their ears, but they should hear story and testimony of God's goodness and what God's doing and, and what God's been saying and celebration, and music, and dancing. And so, um, so this older Robert asks one of his servants what was going on. Your brother is back, he was told, and your father has killed the fattened calf, and we are celebrating because of his safe return. Now, you'd think the older brother would have been happy. This is why he reminds me about Robert from Everybody Loves Raymond, because he is never happy. You know, he, anytime anything happens to Raymond, Robert is so depressed. A bit like Eeyore, maybe, for those who don't know, everybody loves Raymond. But here we discover something about the older brother, who was on the outside. You've got to get this. On the outside, the older brother's behavior was good and nice and faithful and committed. On the, on the outside, he had managed his behavior. But on the inside, he had stuff in his heart. And it was just about to expose itself. And here it goes. The older brother was angry and wouldn't go in. I'm dealing with anger next week. So in our series of dealing with the assassins of our heart, I'm dealing with anger. I'm trying to help us see next week regarding what we do when we feel anger, when we feel that someone owes us something, someone did something in your marriage or a relationship or your parents did something or your friends did something, all of a sudden they owe you and so anger germinates in our hearts. That's next week. But here we discover the elder brother was angry and wouldn't go in and his father came out and begged him but he replied, I'm going to try to give you the right sass. I should give one of my kids to read this. Don't. Say no his name now. Okay. <clears throat> but he replied, All these years I've slaved for you. 
and never once refused to do a single thing you told me to do. And in all that time, you never gave me even one young goat for a feast with my friends. And yet when this son of yours comes back, after squandering all your money on prostitutes, you celebrate by killing the fatted calf. I can't do a very good Robert impersonation. Can you pick up what Jesus was saying here? Well, can you pick up the heart? See, the behavior of the older brother had nothing to do with what was on the inside. Where did this anger come from? Where did this rage come from? Where did this resentment, this jealousy come from? Do you know what? It came from his heart. Where did these pointed and loaded and abusive words come from? It came from his heart. And I think this is what Jesus is setting us up for. We may be able to make our behavior on the outside look good. We may be able to cover it up, keep up the appearances, and make, it, make everyone think that everything is okay on the outside and that we are faithful and committed. And yes, brother, praise the Lord, hallelujah. But on the inside, something is going on. We've got these assassins going on in our heart. And unless we guard our heart, it's going to pop out. It's going to attack you. It's going to, it's going to reveal its ugly little head at a time when you were least expecting it. Also, here we discover another dimension to the story. Remember, Jesus was telling the story to the religious people, the good people, the church people, the people who had worked really hard at behaving well. That's who he's talking to. That's, that's who the story is addressed to. But on the inside, they had lots of stuff going on. You know, and so, you know, I've, I've slaved to you, I've served you, I've given, I've turned up every week, I've been faithful, I've been obedient, I've ticked all the boxes. And finally, finally, we discover the issue with the older son. Actually, I'll come to that. He says, you never once gave me, you never once noticed. I've done all this stuff, but you didn't see me. You haven't acknowledged me. I feel unnoticed. I feel unappreciated. And I feel unloved. That's what was going on in his heart. And the father's response, and I wish I could respond like this with my kids. He says, look, he goes, look dear son, you, you, you've always stayed by me. And everything I have is yours. We had to celebrate this happy day because your brother, he was dead. But he's come back to life. He was lost, but now is found. He didn't, he, didn't, he didn't abuse the older son. He didn't say, well, you're a piece of work. He, well, he go, don't speak like that to me. He had a heart of compassion for his older son. The son that probably should have known better. The son that also had issues in his heart. It just manifested in different ways. And he, told, and, he, and he told Robert, you know, of course I've noticed you. Every day I've seen you. Every day I've been with you. 
You have access to everything that is mine. And he's, I'm sure he's saying to his son, yeah, son, put aside your sense of justice. Put, put, put aside your, your rights that you feel you have. Put aside what you think is fair. Put aside your feelings of, of, of self-righteousness. Put aside those things and start to deal with your heart. Start to deal with what's really going on inside your heart. You've had access to me. You've, you've been in my world. You've had relationship opportunity with me. Deal with your heart. And if you can deal with your heart, you can then truly celebrate when someone else comes alive. The value of other people. So as I look at the story of these two sons, neither of them really knew the father's heart. If the younger son really knew the father's heart, I don't think he would have left home. I don't think he would have rebelled. I don't think he'd, he'd want to take it all into his own hands. If, if the older son knew the father's heart, if he really knew the father's heart, he would have realised everything my dad has is mine. That I don't need to strive so hard to make dad notice me. Or strive to make dad think I'm good and I'm better than the other son. I could just be. I could just enjoy my relationship with my dad. If the older son knew the father's heart, he wouldn't be, he would, see, he would have had a better understanding that he doesn't need to gain his father's favor. Instead, both these sons allowed all sorts of things to pollute their hearts. And those things have the potential to destroy their lives. Those things have the potential to destroy their families, to destroy their relationship with one another and their relationship with God. Friends, we need to guard our hearts. We need to guard our hearts with all diligence. How can we do that? Well, we need to understand the Father's heart. We need to understand that both those boys had built an image of the Father's heart which was wrong. They didn't understand the Father's heart. How can we understand the Father's heart? Well, he shows us in his word. Stories. This is why the Bible is so wonderful, such a wonderful tool for us, a gift to us as, as followers of Jesus, because as we read the word of God, we can learn his heart. We can discover who he is. We can discover the truth of his nature. That's one way I encourage, I know one of our connect groups is, is a, there's a number of Bible plans you, on your phone you can have daily reading plans, a whole range of ways that to, to learn the Father's heart and to discover who he is. It's all found in his word. We can, we can learn it. We can read it. We can, another way to learn the Father's heart is just come into his presence. And that's why I love, one of the things I love about our church is this uh, heart to worship. And I want to encourage you, as soon as you walk in the doors, stop yappering with whoever you have, you're yappering with and come in and come and discover the Father's heart through worship. Come and discover the power of worship as we, as we enter into his throne room and we discover a grace that is so relentless and a love that is so beautiful and accessible regardless of the stuff we've done out there. We can come and experience God through worship and learn his heart. Because when we learn the Father's heart, we're strengthening it. We're strengthening our own heart from the attack and the lies of the enemy who try to tell us that God's not like that or you're not like that. Nothing we can do can change the fact that we are his children. Nothing we can do can change the fact that we are his kids. Our actions do not disqualify us. 
Our striving doesn't make us any more special. We are his children. Everything we have, he has is ours. We just need to understand that, believe that, and walk in that. I believe the Father is looking for true children who know who they are, who understand his heart, and understand their rights and then their responsibilities as children in the house. Can you get a team up? Thanks, Ben. So perhaps, as we, as we close now, perhaps today you're feeling a little bit like the younger son. Can I encourage you? I don't, I don't, you, you might not be sitting in the pig pen, but you might be anywhere on this journey from the father's heart and his house, the place where... You know, I know all of you really want to be here. I know all of you really want to be in the Father's house and, and know his heart. I know that's your desire. I know that's, that's how God's wired you is to desire him. I know that's your desire. But I know that each one of us are on a different place from, either, uh, from here to the pig pen. I don't know where you are. You could, you, you could look out good on the outside, but on the inside you could be in the pig pen. I don't know where you are. But I do know that the Father is watching and waiting and, and looking for you to, 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 to turn around and realize, hang on, in my Father's house I know. I know who he is. I know he will forgive me. I know he will accept me. I know, and this is what the son got wrong. He said, I'm no longer to be called worthy to be called your son. He got that wrong. Because his father didn't accept him back as a servant. His father accepted him back as a son. And there's people here this morning that I don't care. <clears throat> Sorry, I don't. I do care. I don't know where you are on this journey, but I know that, that back where you want to be is where you want to be, and I know there's a journey that you've got to walk back to get there. I know it's a hard journey, but I just know that it's a good place, and I just know that your Father will accept you, and I just know no matter where you are or what you've done or what you've thought or what you said, that the Father is waiting and longing with a robe that's going to cover you with righteousness and love and compassion. I just know that. Where are you? How's your heart? What's going on on the inside? What are you afraid of? You don't need to be afraid. He's not gonna. He's not gonna. He's not gonna bash you up. He's not gonna whip you. It does require you for you to repent, turn around, confess. You know, God stuffed up, I've sinned against heaven, I've sinned against you. It requires those things. Those things, those things create life change. Maybe this morning, if you're like the younger son, you can come home today. And in a moment, I'm going to close in prayer and, and part of that prayer is going to give opportunity for people who are away from God to give you the opportunity to come home to him. I'll give you that moment in a minute. Perhaps you're here this morning and you're feeling like the older brother. You've been trying so hard to please God. You've been trying so hard to be noticed by God. You've been doing, doing, doing. God, can't you see what I'm doing? I'm, I'm, I'm giving so much more. I'm doing so much more. Can't you see it? And, and you're trying to earn your favor with God. You're trying to earn your, you're, you're trying to earn your right to be, to be a son of God. To be worthy to be called his son. And maybe, as, as you, maybe you've been critical of others. Maybe you've watched others who have come into the home and, and received grace and love and, and you're wondering, well, it's not right because, because, because I've been doing all this and no one's ever noticed me. No one's killed me a goat. 
No one's, no, one's, no one's seen me. Can I tell you something? Your heavenly Father sees you every day. And he watches over you. And my Bible tells me that, that what you do in secret toward him, he will reward. How's your heart? How's your heart? This Father's Day, as we bring it to a close, hopefully this morning you've got a glimpse of the Father's heart. Hopefully this morning you've got, a, you've got a glimpse of a God who loves you and cares for you. He's just waiting and longing. You know he's going to forgive you. You know he's going to accept you. You know he's going to cover you. And yet we resist. Regardless of where we are on this journey, I pray that all of us, I'll show you it this way, I pray that all of us, no matter where we are on this journey, that we all decide to take a step closer. That you today, would, you'd make a choice. If you're in the pigsty, that you'd make a choice to turn around and go, you know what, I've stuffed up, I've messed up, I've tried, I've wasted, but you know what, in my father's house. And for you, that you take a step. But no matter where you are, I don't think anyone said that. I'm, I'm not up there. I'm, I'm, I'm not in the, I'm, my heart's here, and I'm, I'm, I'm not there. Well, some, of, some parts of me might be at certain times, at different times. But my heart today is for all of us to go, you know what, God, I'm going to just come home. I'm just going to come home. I'm just going to come home. And I know the Bible says as you draw near to God, he will draw near to you. And he's not going to say, well, come on. Yeah, come on, waiting for you to sort yourself out. Yeah, yeah, I'll wait, I'll get time. No, no, he's going to run to you. Draw near to God. And he will draw near to you. God's going to meet you in the middle. You don't need to be perfected. You don't need to sort your stuff out to come back home. He'll help you on the way. He was covered as a son before he got home. The robe came on before he got home. What a great promise. Why is it though? I don't know. Let's have a chat. Why is it that we're afraid? Why is it that we're afraid to number one acknowledge where we are? And number two, afraid to take a step. What do we think he's going to do to us? Do you think he's going to shame us? Do you think he's going to embarrass us? No. See, it's this enemy that's whispering in our ears. You can't, you, don't do that. Don't go home. Don't, 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 don't give more. Don't surrender more. Don't love more. Don't, don't do that to the enemy. And we go, oh, yeah, okay, maybe. Can I encourage? Let's be a church, let's be a family that understands the Father's heart and that are willing to come home wherever we are. Learn the Father's heart. Get the Father's heart. Live out of the Father's heart. As, as dads, let's live from the Father's heart. How's your heart? I'm going to pray. Father God, we just, Lord, we're just amazed at you your goodness and your kindness and your love for us and Lord none of us deserve that Lord we thank you for your prodigal love, your reckless love over us and Lord I pray for every single one of us regardless of our age regardless of our circumstance that each of us would just turn our eyes toward you and take a step closer and I know that as we take a step closer that you run toward us. And Lord, I just pray now for those who are here that maybe are away from you, those who are feeling so disconnected, 
those who feel that they're in a famine or starving or unnoticed, unaccepted, unworthy. Father God, I thank you. And you've seen the hearts of others that are feeling they disconnected from you. And Lord, I just pray. Lord, as they turn their face towards you, as they turn their, their face out of this pig pen of filth and mess and disappointment and hurt, Lord, as they turn their eyes towards you, that they would know that in your house there's a place for them. For those two that responded, I want you to know that there's a place for you in your father's house.